You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the Lord's house this morning. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 as we continue this journey about come see Jesus and then go be Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at an amazing story that uh, God gave to us that we might learn from. But I want to start out today and just ask you, do you have any dreams? How many of you have a dream? All right, good. I see some of you who have dreams. How many of you had a dream at some point in your life? All right, you know, and, and that's how life is kind of funny. That's just being really real and being really honest. That sometimes we have all these dreams, especially as a young person. We've got these amazing dreams. And the dreams that God gives to us are God-given because God sets us on a track, puts a dream in our heart that we might go in the direction that God wants us to go in. And then sometimes life happens. And it just messes it all up at times. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I want to talk today about just dreams because God has put in every one of our hearts dreams. Some of those have died. Some of those have changed. And some of us may not have any dreams right now. And God may want to give you a dream. God says in the days to come, he will give us dreams. Everybody, the men will have dreams, God says. And God has a plan and it's always his plan for what those dreams are. Now, we're in an exciting time. I can't wait for this fall because we have some amazing dreams coming up. One of those dreams is coming up on September 9th. It's the kickoff of Everybody Debt Free. That means everybody. We have a dream to get everybody, anybody who has anything to do with the faith family here at Messiah. We pray that God brings thousands, literally, so that we can, as a whole, help every single person get out of debt. God doesn't want us to be in debt. God wants us to be out of debt. And that's something that God has instilled in us. God wants us to help every single person that's married or going to get married have the best marriage possible. And so we're gearing up for an amazing fall where we're gonna be able to help as many people as God brings to have the best marriage possible. We're working on parenting curriculum so that anybody who has kids or grandkids, how can we partner with you? Parenting is different today than it's ever been before. Things are changing. And yet parents are not necessarily equipped or grandparents equipped on knowing how to deal with those changes. You know, how do we deal with a whole society that everything is based on a phone? That kids today, their whole lives are revolving around a phone. How do you parent in that? How do you parent in today's day? And then you know the issues that families are facing. How can we come alongside families and help them with the issues and grief and divorce and cutting and sexuality and pornography and homosexuality and all those kinds of things that people are starting to deal with majorly. God has put dreams on our hearts here at Messiah to do everything we can to help everybody in terms of where you are in those four areas. And then, how can we help each person grow in their faith? Remember the five circles that we presented, you know, back just a couple months? Those five circles are the five dreams that God has given to us to run with, to reach people more than we've ever reached before, to know Christ. So it's exciting. Dreams are exciting. But as you know, sometimes what happens with dreams is that life happens. 
And when light happens, let's just say you, you sit out and you said, you know what, when you're younger, I have a dream to get married someday. And you did, you got married. And then you got divorced. And that wasn't part of the dream. And you go, what happened? Some of you had a dream for a great career and you're in that career. Suddenly you're out of a job. Now what? God may have given you a dream to own a home and you've owned a home. And then suddenly it's being foreclosed. That wasn't part of the dream. Some of you had all kinds of plans and goals, maybe to travel as you got older. And then suddenly you found with the stock market that just tanked a couple of years ago. Well, now you can't retire. Now you can't travel. And dreams just kind of vanished. Then what? And that's what I want to talk a little bit more about today. God has an amazing story about a, a person who had a daughter. Chapter 5, Mark 5, find verse 21. What happens when dreams die? Verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Okay, let's just stop there. This man named Jairus, who is a synagogue official. Now, what that meant is that he was in charge of the whole place. Uh, he, he was in charge of the physical location and keeping it clean and making sure that it was, you know, up to speed and, and everything was really ready every time that they had worship. And he was a man in good standing in the community. He was married. He had a daughter who was 12 years old. And this man's daughter was dying and Jesus was coming to his hometown. And he knew he had the faith that if he could just get to Jesus and Jesus would come to his daughter, he knew that his daughter would live. He knew that. And so he went out and he went by Jesus. Now, if you remember, there was this large crowd that was gathering around. So imagine Jesus is in the center and there's this large crowd gathering around. And he's like, excuse me, pardon me excuse me, you know, trying to make his way to Jesus, moving everybody out of the way so that he could get there. And when they finally got to Jesus, he fell down at his feet and he pleaded. He's like, please, Jesus, my 12-year-old daughter's about to die. She's that close. She's just about to die. Would you please come to my house and heal her? I live right there. Right there, I'm, I'm so close. Would you just come right there? And he said, yes. And it's awesome. It's awesome that God was willing to accommodate. God was willing to go with Jairus to go heal his daughter. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now imagine yourself, okay? Imagine being Jairus. Okay, come on, Jesus, I live right over here. And there's all these people that are gathering around. Uh, Jesus, please, it's really important. Can, can we go now? Come on, crowds, get out of the way so that Jesus can get through to get to my house. And they're pressing him. 
And this man is torn because what, what do I do? Do I just scream at the crowds? Do I just push them all out of the way? Do I grab Jesus by the hand and just like, you know, like a fullback, just go right through everybody? What do I do? How do I get Jesus to get to my house with all these people that are needy surrounding him? And then this is what Pastor Kurt talked about last week. Then here's where that story comes, that there was this woman that knew that if she could just touch Jesus' outfit, she'd be healed. And so she presses through, presses through, finally gets Jesus, just touches his garment. And she's instantly healed. And Jesus stops. Okay? Now, now remember, picture yourself as Jairus. Jesus stops going towards Jairus' house. And he turns around and talks to this woman. Now, if you were Jairus, how would you be doing about this point? I mean, be honest. You'd probably be thinking things like this. Uh, hey, lady, wait your turn. We're going to heal my daughter and then come back. Okay? Don't go anywhere. He'll be right back. Right? And wouldn't you almost want to say to everybody, hey, hey, can you just give him a break? Because my daughter's dying. And he's needed right now. And he's talking to this woman. And while he's talking to this woman, now scan down. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking. So it's at the same time. That's what God wants us to see. At the same time that Jesus is speaking to the women, some men come from the house of Jairus. Now you can see Jairus torn. Jesus is still speaking to this woman. He's heartbroken that his daughter's right there, dying. And then imagine looking up and seeing some people come from the house, crying. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Jairus? How do you get mad at Jesus? who's coming to heal his daughter. And he looks over on this side, and here come these people from his house. He's that close. I mean, that close to having his daughter back. And this is what they say. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? I want to zero in on that for a few moments. Why bother? Why bother Jesus anymore? I mean, if, if you were Jairus, wouldn't you just, might as well go home. She's gone. Dream's gone. It's amazing over the last 20 years that I've been in ministry, it's amazing how many people have said what Jairus' friends said? Why bother? God didn't help. I've heard it this way. Why bother going to church anymore? My whoever, 
loved one died. I prayed for healing, they died. Why bother praying anymore? Why bother reading the Bible anymore? Because God didn't answer my prayer. Why bother giving anymore? Why bother serving anymore? Why bother? Because it didn't do anything. And here are these friends, well-meaning. They said, why, why bother them? She's already dead. And I think for a lot of people, they've walked away from their dream, whatever that dream is, and said, why bother? Just throw your hands up, why bother? And then we drift away from God. And it happens so often. But there's a reason. There's a reason why it happens. You see, in every one of our lives, we have to come to a point of asking and answering the question, whose life is it? God's. Whoever said that, they're right. <laughs> From the mouth of kids, God's. Right? It's God's. And God has the right and the freedom to do whatever God wants to do. And we wrestle with God when God gives us something and we say, okay, it's mine. It's mine. You gave it to me. It's mine. And then if it gets taken away, we're like, what'd you do that for? It was mine. No, it wasn't. What can you take with you when you die? Nothing. So is it really yours? See, and when we come to the point of honestly, I mean, really honestly saying it belongs to God, then God gets to do what God wants to do. Let me, let me personalize this, okay? These last two years have been a real challenge. And the real challenge is this. You know, we had that house back in Palatine. And we had a dream. I mean, we did. We had a dream. Sell that house. We had it appraised before we left. And pay cash for this house. And over the last two years, that house didn't sell. And we lost virtually all of the equity. All of it. But I can't begin to tell you what was going on inside of me over two years. And it was answering this very question. It was answering the question of, whose is it? I'd say it's yours. God say, then I'm taking it. N no, don't take it. <laughs> Wait, so well, whose is it? It's mine. No, it's mine. No, it's not. It's mine. Now, if you just follow me, I think, I think in life we have to come to points. And if there's one of the greatest lessons that God taught me over the last couple years, is to say, okay, it's yours. God says, okay, I'm taking it back. Okay. 
But I wasn't okay the last two years. God and I were fighting and struggling. And I'm like, you gave it to me. Why are you taking it back? What did I do wrong? And there were times that I'd throw my hands up and say, why bother? Why bother? So if you follow me, every one of us, I think, has to come to that point of, is your life yours? Or is it really God's? And when we come to that point of saying it's really yours, then God can do whatever God wants to do. Now, whose daughter was Jairus's? Wasn't she God's? Didn't God give her life? Isn't God going to bring her to heaven? And that was all about God. And Jairus, like any parent would be, is wrestling like, don't take her away. She's my daughter. I think if you go back and read it, he said to Jesus, my daughter is at the point of death. That's what any parent would do. But when we come to grips that everything that we are and all we have and our time and our possessions, our families, our homes, our jobs, everything is God's. Then God has the freedom to do whatever God wants to do. And when we take it back is when we struggle. Okay, now, this is cool. Look at verse 36 now. Ignoring what they said, meaning the friends, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. You know, I don't think there's a better thing for you and I to take away from this message. Just, what's it, what do he say? Believe, amen? That's all you may have at times. Just believe. Well, what am I believing? That God is in control? Just believe that God knows what you're going through. Just believe that God still cares about you. Just believe that God can do anything God wants to do and make anything good. That's what Romans 8 is the promise. That bring, God brings good out of every situation that we face. Just believe that God has not abandoned us. Just believe. And sometimes in our faith walk, the only thing we have to hold on to is that belief that says, I believe. And I'm struggling, but I believe. So then look what happens. So he tells them, just believe. Verse 36 or verse 37. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they all laughed at him. Um, sometimes you got to laugh at God because God's crazy. He is. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Sometimes God's crazy. Okay? In a, in a good way. I mean, God's done some of the craziest things. And if you open a Bible and read it and see how funny God is, because God does all these crazy things, you know, parts the sea and lets you walk through on dry ground. Sorry, that's crazy. Right? 
I mean, Elijah, God comes down and he just gets caught up into heaven in a whirlwind, you know, in a chariot, chariot of fire, just off to heaven. Pretty crazy things. Feeds people, millions of people on dew that's on the ground for 40 years. That's crazy. I mean, you look at it and go, that's crazy. And he comes into this home and says to everybody, uh, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they thought he was crazy because I think we would know if someone's dead, wouldn't you? Check a pulse, no pulse, they're what? They're dead. They're not breathing anymore. They're dead. But God did something amazing. So he brings them with him. What's he do? After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where she, the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were, here it is, completely astonished. God can do whatever God wants to do. God sometimes takes away and sometimes he gives back. Like in this case, he lost his daughter. God gave her back. And God gets all the glory for that. And sometimes God takes away and that's it. He just takes it away. But I think you and I are faced with choices. And this is one of those decisions. We can look back at what we lost and grieve, or we can turn and look forward. See, let me explain this a little bit. Think about the cross for a minute, okay? It's crazy, it really is, that God would leave heaven, come down to this earth, and die on a cross. It's amazing. And then three days later, he came back to life again. And you and I don't walk around and go, did you see how Jesus suffered? Well, he was really in pain. And we don't pray to a suffering Jesus. When I was in Guatemala, the one thing that really stands out in my mind is that everywhere we went in Guatemala, in every Catholic church, we always saw a dying Jesus. And I couldn't figure that out. And I kept asking, why do you keep remembering Jesus dead? Because he's not dead. He's alive. Amen? And we don't pray to a dead Jesus. We play, pray to a living Jesus. We pray to a living God. We pray to a God who came back from the grave, conquered the grave, rose again, and said, I'll be with you always. And that's the God that we believe in. And I couldn't figure out why they kept focusing on Jesus being dead. It didn't make sense. And yet, in the same way, do you and I grieve those lost dreams and look back? Or do we bury them and say, all right, that's not what God had in mind for me. God has something new in mind for me, whatever that is. And then start looking forward. And I think for a lot of you who had dreams and don't have dreams anymore, you might be stuck.
And I would ask God, God, do you have any dreams for me? But you see, that's different. It's not your dream. It's whose dream? God's dream. I would pray today. Before you leave here today, I would say, God, what dreams do you have for me? What is it that you want for my life? And may I look forward to whatever it is that you have for me so I can begin to live the dream that you have for me. If you want to do that, say amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how can we thank you enough that you loved us so much that you gave up your life for us? And God, we just want to say thanks. Thank you that you gave us new life and we can dream and we can hope and you say that you give to us dreams. God, what are your dreams for each one of us? And Lord, as we look forward, what is it that you would have us to do? We're excited about the future. We're excited about what you're doing. We're excited about all the amazing things that you're going to do in all of our lives. And so God, we just pray that you'd bless us today and make clear to each one of us what you want for us. And then help us to run and pursue those things in our life that you want us to do. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.